What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vane Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller, and this week we got Greg Glessinger on. Greg's got a long history of killing multiple great bucks a year uh, across a variety of property, a variety of states. And today we're talking like the pre-rut into the rut. And a fun fact is we did not intend on discussing decoying. I didn't know that Greg was such a big decoyer. So it was awesome to hear he, when we jumped into this conversation, he was like decoys, 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 decoys. And he just hammered it over and over. And the guy kills a lot of big bucks. So uh, it's a great conversation on decoying. I've never used them. I ask a lot of questions that I feel like a lot of you would have. Um, so we just go through that conversation. There's some other stuff in there for sure. But but the large majority of this conversation is uh, about decoying in the pre-rut and rut. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we hop into the podcast, though, just want to give a quick shout out to our partners of the show, Origin and Jocko Fuel. Jocko Fuel is supplements, protein, uh, creatine, uh, pre-workout, all that stuff. I like. I really like Jocko Go. Um, that the pre-workout in the can, you got to buy it in the can. If you drink Monster, you drink Red Bull, you drink Bang, you drink Rain, you drink any of those, like the Jocko Go cans are an awesome replacement and they're a lot healthier for you. The other one would be um, Origin. So if you're looking at Origin, uh, they make American-made clothing, jeans, boots, belts, hoodies, t-shirts, camo, make a ton of great gear to wear, 100% American-made with materials uh, sourced and manufactured. Every The whole process comes out of the U.S. No Chinese, no overseas, no nothing, just 100% American-made. So go check those guys out, and the code HELLER10 will get you 10% off any of that stuff, the Jocko Fuel or the, um, or the Origin Clothing or the field Origin Field Hunting line. All right, next one would be Elite. Elite's been an awesome partner for the last few months, uh, six months or so. Uh, got started with them over the summer. Uh, we came to an agreement, and 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 I've been shooting that Elite era f- <clears throat> for the last six months or so, and it has been an awesome bow. I've been extremely confident in it, really like it, really enjoy it. Um, I, I, again, I always say this, but I can't, I, I'm not the best archer in the world and I can't tell you the major differences uh, once you get into bows that are over eight, $900, but at the same time, confidence is key. And if you're, if you're not confident with your current setup and you're looking for a new setup, give you lead a shot, give them a try, see if you like them more than anything else in the shop and go to your local archer shop, right? Shoot all the bows, put a lead into that mix see which one you like best and, and go ahead and shoot that, but at least give it a try. They do have the shootability challenge, which is their way of saying, shoot us against anybody else and we feel that we are gonna outperform them. So that's Elite and last but not least, Onyx Maps. On this app all the time, shows public private land boundaries, uh, works on and offline, see hybrid maps or topo maps, satellite maps, hybrid maps. You drop all your waypoints, you can check wind direction, you can add pictures. There's all sorts of stuff you can do on this app um, built around hunting and just mapping and keeping all of your information organized. I used it the, the last weekend. I was out on a piece of public that I had been to eight, nine years ago, and I went and did this huge loop in it, got into some fun some fun action. I actually had a little buck chasing a doe around the other day um, right in front of me just based on I was walking through this piece trying to scout. I had scouted it, e-scouted it um, this year, and I walked it like eight years ago and re-walked it all. Some of the stuff was awful. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it was terrible. I uh, got into uh, some big multiflower rows and briar, green briar patches, and my hands are still all cut up, and so are, so is some of my clothing. But at the same time, 
got into that nonsense, and I also found some phenomenal spots that I probably will return to this year or next year um, because they were just they they set up so well. Um, and I was using Onyx Maps the whole time to figure out where I was, where I was going, and how I was going to get there. All right. So with that, we can jump into the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy this awesome conversation on decoying. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vane Podcast. Today, we got Greg Glessinger. Did I say that right? Glessinger? Close enough. <laughs> All right, perfect. So, yeah, Greg's with Huntworks TV. If you don't know Huntworks, you got to check out, got to go check those guys out. They have a whole bunch of YouTube content um, out and they're, they're, they're pumping it out. Uh, they got some awesome animals that they knocked down, some really big animals. Like, did you, you got a, you got a bull and a muley this year already, right? Yeah, we were out in Colorado. We tipped over a 170-plus mule deer, and then we were blessed to go to Arizona and shoot a 360 bull elk, uh, both with bow. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty epic western tour. That's um, yeah, it was one for the books, for sure. Yeah. So I want, I kind of want to talk to you about those quick, but yeah. So as far as Greg's goes today for everybody listening, um, want to talk about a couple of those things, but him and his team knocked down some awesome animals. They give some great advice. They have a new series called unlocked where they're doing, you know, five to 20 minute episodes on YouTube that give really good, um, information and insights. It's more of like, some of it's a little basic, but some of it's pretty advanced and kind of like a more, um, what I want to say calculated approach to to doing some certain types of hunts and how you're going to try to maneuver into into some of these deer or or whatever you're after so go check that stuff out um and for the podcast today what we're going to be talking about is is roughly the last week of october first week of november the differences kind of in those shifts that occur in that time frame um because you're kind of looking at the last week of pre-rut and like the first week of rut so we're going to talk about different strategies for that um but first I kind of want to ask you a couple questions about the muley and the elk because both of those weren't, were both of those killed on like the last day of your hunt? Yeah. Last day, the mule deer was, oh man, we had maybe 15 minutes of light left, maybe. Um, and then on the elk, on our last day, and then on the elk, we had our last day and we killed him at like, oh, I think it was like 5.30. So we had probably two hours of light left on the last day um yeah we get, so you know it's it's never over till it's over and you just got to keep the grind and keep the faith and and um you know get get more aggressive too as the hunt gets on if the outfit allows you to do it in both those situations that's what allowed us to be successful mm -hmm. is we really kind of push the envelope um and you can see that when you watch the videos on youtube um it's uh definitely uh, a bit more aggressive in that situation so you know if if you have a nice uh i guess rapport with the outfitter and they trust you and those type of things um it, it worked out well but never lose faith until until the buzz buzzer goes off because you never know what's going to happen yeah yeah i know uh i know you know from my experience and and my own friends and a couple of hunts of my, my own as well, you know, and I still fall victim to it every now and then it's like, man, you got, Oh, I'll tell you perfect story is uh, last year, a buddy of mine shot a nice, uh, a nice buck on our property. Um, and we waited overnight 
And then we came in in the morning with a dog and a four wheeler, pulled that, found the deer, pulled it out. Um, and then we got all, we got all that, you know, hassle done about noon, one o'clock in the afternoon. And it was my last day to hunt. And uh, I was a South wind and where he had shot, that was also a South wind. And like on the property, like that is kind of the, the best spot on the farm. And I was kind of like, you know what, like, man, like we've been here for four days. Like I'm good with just heading home. Let's just kind of pack up and we'll take our time and we can head home early to the, to the wives and whatnot. And, and we'll earn some brownie points, right? We'll get back a little bit early. So get back to the house and here's a uh, cell cam rings and here's a top shooter right under the tree stand, right where we had pulled that deer out of. And I'm just like, oh my God, if I just would have like, if we went in there, pulled that deer out and I just would have hopped in the exact same stand, like I would have had a nice buck at 15 yards. (laughs) So it's just like, it's one of those things. I, I totally agree. Like when you get the time, even though it's four, you know, you've been out there for four days and you ain't seen nothing the last two hours, the last 20 minutes, whatever it can all happen. Right. It takes five minutes, man. Is all it takes five minutes right. and everything can change. You just never know when the next five minutes is going to happen. So you just got to keep grinding it out. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's a, and it's hard. It's hard for some people to see because, um, yeah, I think it's like, uh, I want to say it was Jocko or so. Yeah. Maybe it was Jocko or one of the, like a Navy SEAL podcast or something like that, where they, they said like mental toughness, uh, comes by being able to face the unknown. So when we tell you when we're, when we're in training, they'll tell you jump in the water and swim and they won't tell you for how long, right. Mm-hmm. Or they'll tell you to get down and do push-ups, and they won't tell you how many, or they'll say, mm-hmm. put on your rat, put on your rock and run. And they won't tell you how far because the fear of the unknown is what's hardest for people rather than if they said it's going to suck and you're going to run a hundred miles, people can like justify that. Whereas if they say like, get running, like people are just like, when are we going to stop? When are we going to stop? When are we going to stop? You know, um, that fear of the unknown. So I think that causes some people to, to give up just a little bit early. Cause like, ah, it's probably not going to happen. It's so stressful. I don't know. You know, you're like internally, you're building up like anxiety. Cause you've been elk hunting for nine days and you hadn't had an opportunity. Right. Nothing's gone. Right. And right. Just want to give in. <laughs> Got to keep it's going. Got to keep going. But you know, it's when you're on those Western hunts, it's, it's my favorite time of year to go west in September. I don't. I I personally think I don't think there's, you know, a better place in the world to hunt. There's anything in the west. I just think it's scenic. It's beautiful. It's so big. It's so vast, mm-hmm. and there's just so much opportunity that yeah, you gotta you gotta earn it and get after it. But there's just so much stuff out there. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, if you want to check out those uh, aggressive tactics, like Greg said, get out there. Uh, or get onto YouTube and, and look it up. It's called Huntworks again, H-U-N-T-W-O-R-X. So just look those guys up and you'll find that stuff there. So, and, and that's a great kind of lead in because a lot of people, like when you're planning your PTO, if you got to put in your PTO in like January, February, and you got to pick a week, a lot of people are picking that first week of November, last week of October, right? And it's like, grind that, grind that bad boy out. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, if I had to pick a week, um, I think those two weeks are the best. And now, you know, the debatable thing is um, late season, you know, when they're going to food time and time again and, and you get a good snowfall and good cold temps, it's really tough to beat that time of year. 
um, because they're they're slaves to their stomachs and they're going to be there quite frequently. Um, but if you had to pick a year that you know you really enjoy the rut and and deer on their feet and that type of situation, that last week of the you know call it the twenty third through you know the thirty first of October is by far my favorite time of the year. Um, and then moving into the first week of November is a very close second. But there's a lot more bucks on their feet that last part of October. They're not doed up yet. They're in that seeking phase. And they're a little bit more receptible to decoying. And, and if you follow us, um, we do that quite often. Um, dang near every sit if the layout of the location we're going to allows it. Um, once that 22nd, 23rd of October rolls around, that decoy sits in my back of my truck ready to go at any moment's notice. And our results are just just out. Un unbelievable of how many deer we've had encounters with or harvested with just purely because of bringing that decoy out. So nice. um, it is by far my favorite time of time of year is that 23rd through the 1st of November. So, okay, let's, uh, I wanted to, I want to ask you a bunch of questions about the decoy. Sure. That's something I've never done. Um, friends of mine have suggested it. So um pulling the decoy out you you mentioned um the if the location allows for it if, or if the layout allows for it like you're wanting it out there and are in and you're just using like a full body like plastic decoy right yeah the one i use is called the boss buck from flambo from flambo okay. flambo flambo outdoors yeah yeah yep yeah. yeah. okay gotcha so what do, what do you mean by if the layout allows for it well, I mean, we, we have tree stands that are in, in wood thickets. I've never taken a decoy into a, a timber section um, because, you know, getting it to and from, you know, they're plastic. You're going to hit everything, get in and everything going out. It's going to sound like a train going through there. So yeah. I'm not saying okay. you couldn't do it. Um, I just never done it. So I don't have any experience to say it's a good or bad idea. We do a lot of our stuff in open fields, food plots, you know, maybe a transition zone where they 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 feel like they could see them, um, and they have a transition. Maybe it's a transition zone. Um, I don't like put them in really tight spaces because one thing I've learned over the years is deer like to have exits, and when they come over something or they're tight or they're in a confined area, they don't like those things because they don't have an exit. And if you startle them, they want to see that decoy on their terms. And if you put it on your terms, it usually doesn't go well. So open spaces where they can see it from afar, approach it on their terms, um, seems to be the most effective way I've seen them, you know, gotcha. 20 plus using it. So, so would you like, I'm just thinking about that. Like when you're talking about like an open space, are you talking like at least like an acre of like a food plot or something like tall grass? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah. An acre, acre and a half. Yeah. Um, okay. So that when they, you know, break through a timber line or whatever, they're not, you're not right on top of them. Right. Uh, deer like to be startled. We all know that. And so um, if you ever, you know, a, a good, a good way to, to get yourself up to speed is when you're hunting, just general hunting, um, watch how deer behave and watch how they behave around others, uh, other deer. And that will help you 
mentally move into how you should uh, hunt the deer you want to hunt and how you're going to set up your decoy. Because deer never really, I mean, yes, they're social, but they like to do it on their terms. Mm. Uh, if that makes sense of what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so we always put the, the decoy quartering to, um, and I like to use 18 to 22 yards. And that's a very deba debatable distance. I had this long debate with Pete Shepley, founder of PSE. Yeah. And he's, you're crazy, Greg. It's got to be a 30 or 35 yards because you want to give them some space between you and the decoy. And somewhat, he is right um, to that point. But the part that me and Pete got kind of uh, disagreed on, I said, well, here's, here's my experiences, Pete, which is when you go out to 30 or 35 yards, we have a lot of deer that hang up. 10 to 15 yards on the other side of that decoy that just don't commit but they come in and they want to check it out well if they're at 30 that puts them at 45 right that's a long ways with a bow and so we have now adopted 18 to 22 depending on the terrain which is you know if the terrain has got some slope to it um i will actually set the decoy up to where i think it's going to be and i will squat down to the deer level and then scan left and right of the open field and make sure that they see you know predominantly you're going to have two or three different entry and exits that deer are coming into the section you're hunting mm -hmm. i will identify those and then i will make sure that that decoy is seeable by at least two of the three or the majority of them if i'm not i'm going to move it left or right or forward or back based on to make sure that they can see it when they enter the field um, and I try to stay that 18 to 22, 23 yards. And yes, I take a rangefinder out with me and I shoot back to where our setup is. And then I quarter quartering two, because if quartering two is more often than not, the, the buck is going to come around and face him to fight him or, um, maybe quarter to him as well. So if the deer is quartering to you, when that deer comes in to face him, it's going to be obviously, uh, quartering away. So right it 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 based it for according to you so it, it sets you up for a really a broadside shot so yeah. and the great thing about it uh, and like a 15 a, like a 15 yard or like a 10 yarder yeah so if, if they i've never had deer concerned of breaking that boundary between the decoy and my setup it's roughly 20 yards and sometimes they cut that in half and sometimes they don't but the really, really mature deer will usually either attack the decoy or they'll hang up 5 to 10 to 15 yards outside of that decoy when you're still in bow range. If he's a 20, then, you know, 35 is still doable. So that's why I've done what I've done and our success rate has gone through the roof because of it. But it's one of those things that once you start hunting with one, I'll be shocked if you don't be so committed to it as as we are now because while casey's been with me now eight years this is the eight, eight yeah this is the eighth fall and when he came started filming he's like we're going to do what use a decoy well how does this work and now he's he's a bigger fan than i am um just because <laughs> of what he's seen over the years of what we've achieved and watching the deer do what they do and the other thing too that people overlook is when you have a decoy in front of you, what it does is it takes the attention off of you and onto them. 
So you get away with a lot more movement, a lot more things you didn't think you could get away with because they are so in tune with that decoy. They don't even pay attention to anything around them. So it's way, way more beneficial um, if, if you have the patience to put it out and haul it around. It, it is cumbersome. It's big. It's bulky. It's a pain in the butt. But once you do it once, you're going to say it's worth it. Yeah, I have to imagine it's a, it's a really exciting when you get like the first error when when a buck commits to coming in you're like oh my god this is happening this is that he's coming he's coming and he's trying to try to fight this thing i have to imagine that's a really fun experience oh it's super cool to watch their behavior and their eyes roll back to their heads and you know sometimes they attack and sometimes they don't sometimes they paw sometimes they it's it's so interesting to see him now unfortunately there's a lot of times where you're going to have those come in and they're, they're not going to like it. They'll blow and all that type of stuff. And that mm-hmm. stinks. Yes, it does. But um, out of all the years I've been doing it, you know, it definitely, the positives outweigh the negatives. So gotcha. don't be surprised if that happens. Yeah. Do what about like when, um, when, when a small buck, when a younger buck comes in that you don't want to shoot and they try to fight it and they just like knock it over. Then do they like, what happens then? Then they, they usually just bounce away eight to 10 yards and stare at it, try to figure it out. And then slowly they just move off. And once they move off and get in the brush out of sight, out of mind, I get down and reset it up. If it's not broke, and we've had gotcha. two times where we had to take super glue and fix them. So they were basically done for the day. Gotcha. Um, oh man. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more enjoyable. I'm telling you, it's fun because yeah. Once start coming to it it is true entertainment it's hilarious oh yeah no i mean it sounds sounds like i need to do it just uh even if it's not like for um for a giant mature buck just to see what what interaction you can get um what about like do you have any concerns about your scent like when you're setting it up do you spray it before or after or anything like that well what we do is we, we leave them outside uh three or four days before we start using them and then when we haul them in I don't spray them down at all, the decoy itself. But what I do do is when I go to my setup, I will go to the setup where it's a tree or box blind, whatever it is, and I will go straight out and set them up, and I will spray my boots with nose jammer, and then I will walk that same path back with stuff on my boots of nose jammer. And the reason why I go straight out and straight back so that I know where my scent trail is Mm. and um, more often than not uh, I've never had a situation where they busted me on the way in and went out while using nose jammer. Now I'm not saying it won't happen, but since I've been doing that, I haven't had a problem. Um, Yeah. I'm a fan of jammer. I'm a fan of nose jammer. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. I, I, it's an amazing product. Um, so, um, that's a secret that I use and it's been treating me well. And, and if I drop anything around the decoy, cause you got to put stakes in them and so forth. And I put my hand on the ground to stay with myself, whatever I will spray that spot with those Janet before I leave. Okay. And I have to, I have to imagine like the only way those deer are going to catch, catch that scent, like the wind's going to be in your favor. So they got to get between you and the decoy. Before they catch your catch over, yeah. If I'm gonna shoot him, it's gonna be right there anyway. So yeah, they smell it and realize it. He's probably got an arrow in it. 
Yeah, yeah, too late. What about okay? So two two other questions. Do you think um, do you think decoying and and I guess I'll, as a bigger question, like rattling and grunting, maybe that's a whole separate conversation. But do you think like decoying is affected by like the amount of pressure in the area? I think so. I think the whole yeah. buck to doe ratio is a part of it. Pressure is a part of it. Um, I like decoying because it's their terms. And, you know, a lot of guys do the whole uh, blind rattling and calling. And I'm not a fan of that because the minute you call or rattle blindly, more often than not, any buck of any of mature age is going to go downwind of you and come in downwind. And so what you've done is just basically educated them. Mm. And so do I still uh, call and, and, and rattle? Sure. But I will make sure I can see them, identify them. And it's a deer that I want to shoot. If it's not a deer I want to shoot, I'm not going to educate them. Got it. Um, so if it's a deer I want to shoot, I will throw everything at him in the kitchen sink, but he's going to, he's going to be upwind of me for sure. Yeah. And I'm going to sit there and I will, if I have to get binocs on him, when I rattle or, or grunt to see his body language, I will be doing that at the same time or have the camera in our case zoomed in on him and case will say, hey, he didn't hear it or hey, his demeanor changed. I think he's interested. Hit him again. And we will play to his body language. Gotcha. And then do you like before if, if you're if you're assuming that they're going to come in and try to like circle up or J hook in for like a downwind experience? Are you thinking like, all right, if I rattle at him and he comes in, he's probably going to hook around here and I need to get a shot at him over here. Like, are you trying to pre-plan that? And yeah. So once he, once, once he commits, right. If he's a hundred or 150 yards away and you can physically watch him once he commits, I don't do anything. Okay. You just stop. I just stop. I make him curious, try to figure it out. Once he turns and you see that he's coming, I'm done. I don't do anything. Right. Grab your bow, hang up your antlers, get ready. Get ready. Yep. Okay. Got it. Um, so then if you are in like a more, if you're in a more pressured area, let's say you got like, I don't know, you have a 40 acre chunk, like for somebody listening and there's a whole bunch of forties around you and you know, everybody's kind of all the neighbors are out and whatnot. Do you think like decoying would, would be less likely to work? Then if you're on like a, a 300 acre chunk and you can put that decoy out. No, in the no, I, I don't. I Decoying works. It all depends on the mood of the deer. Okay. And the mood of the deer is going to change day by day. I mean, we, we've had deer one day walk by and have absolutely zero interest. And the same deer the next day comes up and actually blow the things up. <laughs> it, it's, you know, deer are like people. Um, some are more aggressive. Some are more timid. Somewhere, somewhere in the middle, and uh, no different than you and I. We have different moods depending on the day that's what's happening in our lives, right? <laughs> and so, just because you don't decoy a deer that you're chasing one day doesn't mean you're not going to decoy him tomorrow or the next day. Um, gotcha. never give up on this time of year because it it just it is so interesting to me of how many deer that we didn't decoy a few days before and then a few days later they see it. And the minute they saw it on the edge of the field, they literally walked straight to it. But three days before, not an interest at all. Huh? It's crazy. You just yeah. Don't know what what mood they're in? So never give up because it's 
you just don't know what the mood's going to be. So, okay. So that, yeah. So then when you're, um, when you're, when you're trying to decoy or you're, you're thinking about utilizing the decoying strategy, like if you're in, in, you're in this, this time frame of the year, if you're not going into an, in, like an interior, like a wooded set or like a close quarter set, if you're sitting on a field edge, are you like basically saying, yeah, I'm going to sit this field edge. I know there's good bucks like over here that cruise this route. I'm going to put a decoy out and try to pull them over. 99% of the time between the, th- the 23rd and call it the 14th, 15th, 16th of November, it is very rare that I will not have a decoy. No way. Oh, that's cool. Very rare. Yeah. Okay. And so you like those more our, open most spaces. Of our, most of our setups are built around bow hunting. That's what we love to do, and that's our passion. Yeah. We do gun hunt, yes, to control our, our herd population, and we shoot one or two bucks a year with guns. But more often than not, our guns are used to control our doe population. So all of our setups are geared for bows. And we have some, you know, some fairly large three to four acre food plots. And to shrink those, we've got to have a reason to pull them in within that 40 yard range. And yes, we have scrape trees and all those type of things. Um, but that decoy works the best out of everything I've ever seen that time of year. No way. Okay. Well, you're selling me on it. These things, I looked them up and the boss buck is 300 bucks, which is not like, you know, it's not pennies not but at the same time. No, no, it's not cheap. You're making me want to buy one. <laughs> oh, I, t- I tell you right now, if, if someone said, give up your binoculars or give up your boss decoy two, two, two weeks out of the year, the last week of October, first week of November, I would give you my set of binoculars. I said, take them. Yeah. That's okay. how serious I am about it. Okay. I, would, I would not give up my decoy. And I bet you Casey Morgan will tell you the same thing. Okay. He wouldn't have said that eight years ago, but now I bet you he would. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, yeah. So then when you're, when you're decoying, um, are you like, are you putting it out? Does it matter if you do it morning, evening, you just walk out there, set it up before you get in the stand. Doesn't matter if it's in the dark or at noon, or if you're doing an all day sit, you just plop it, hop up in the stand and it is what it is. Like it is what it is. Just make okay. sure that distance that I talked about, that you can shoot back to your tree or box blind or whatever pop-up line, whatever you're using. And that 18 to 22, you know, doing it dark is tough because you, you won't be able to see the terrain as well. Okay. Uh, because you'll be surprised if there's a flat food plot that maybe there's some more terrain change than you think. And a deer, you know, a deer's head only about three and a half, four feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much to get that decoy out of sight if there's some terrain change. So, maximize that exposure of that body by knowing the deer traffic that you're sitting on that plot or whatever it may be the location so you can maximize moving it left or right to catch as much as you can so they see it without a doubt Hmm. Um, there's been times that early on in my career where i didn't pay that much attention and deer were walking right by it i'm like how do they not see it but you're you know 18 20 feet up or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be and then I got down on the ground. I'm like, well, shoot, there's that knoll in that in that section of the field that I don't think they can see it. And so it's not as rocket science. It's not as simple as you think. You've got to squat down to eye level, scan left to right, see that terrain change, and then make the adjustment. And when you start yeah. doing that, my exposure. Gotcha. Okay. Are you ever like when they when they see it, are you giving them like 10, 15 seconds before? uh maybe you grunt at them or something like that like are you watching 
No, you I don't, don't do anything. Okay. The decoy, the decoy will do it all. If okay. they're coming, they're coming. You don't need a grunt. You don't need a right. You don't need anything. If they're you don't coming, need to add the extra flare. No. If they're coming, they're coming. Okay. You don't. You Got don't it. just sit and watch the show. It's that Got simple. it. Okay. Um, I don't know what I'll like. I have one other question on that, but um, I'm looking at. I wrote down a couple here. Um, so if they hang up. Oh, I, I, this is before I get to the hang up thing. Second one. Have you ever had it? Like you said, where, where a deer will walk by it on Monday and then you got it out there on Thursday and they'll come right in. Right. Have you ever had it where they like spook from it? They come out into a field. They're like, ah, I don't like that thing. Yeah. They kind of spook from it. And then the yeah. next day they're like, I'm coming for you. hundred percent. I okay. shot a Missouri deer that went 171 or 172 and it was like three or four days prior to that he was on the other side of the field. He saw it. It was in the same spot, same location, same food plot, everything identical. Jumped the fence, looked at it, gave it about three seconds. I could tell he acknowledged it because he stared at it. Walked away. Three days later, decoys in the same location, same plot. The minute he jumped the fence, he went step for step right to it. Ah, uh, Okay. Cause that's, that's like, I could see, I could easily see myself or anybody else like busting out the decoy, setting it out there. Deer walks by, looks at it. It's like, ah, I don't like that. And they kind of walk away and then be like, then you immediately say, ah, it doesn't work. I'm out. I'm no, tossing it. it. It it doesn't. It, it, it didn't. And it didn't, it wasn't because of you or the decoys because the, the deer's mood wasn't, wasn't ready. Yeah. And, and, and you can't, you can't change that. Right. But, but that doesn't deer, mean you give up on the decoy. That, that, that deer pie wouldn't come to uh, antlers or grunting either because he wasn't an aggressive or in a defensive, you know, state of mind at that point. Yeah. So you're playing off of attitude. That's all you're playing off of is the personality. And you don't know what you get until they show up. That's just the way it is. There'll be does that walk by it all day long and not, and not care a bit in the world. And then all of a sudden one doe shows up and she wants nothing to do with it. And she's going to stomp and she's going to blow and she's going to, She's going to strike the band that the wood's going to come alive and she's going to make every noise possible. And there's nothing you can do about it. Right. But so you just, you just back let, the next day let it play out. Let it play out. Unless yeah. you want to shoot her, you know? Right. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, it's good. I, I, I just like for myself personally, but even anybody listening, like if you tried decoying this year and, and day one, it doesn't work, that's okay. Stick with it because on day three or You're even day the two. Odds, right? playing the odds which is yeah. you're trying to stack the odds in your favor and if you do it long enough it's going to work and when it works you're going to go okay now i get it but there are times you're like man this is a waste of time effort energy and all that type of stuff but uh there is i'm so convinced by it now that we have one that's super glued all different ways but loose and we bought another one just because i i don't I don't, if he gets broken again, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fix him. And I want the brand new one in the box ready to go. Yeah. So you will come, come that 23rd of October. It is my number one, most important thing right next to my bow and release. No way. All right. That's awesome. Um, last question on the decoys. And that is if, if you got a buck that hangs up, right. You, you got your decoy at 20 yards and he's hung up at like 35. Are those deer like, and you can still shoot them. 
are they, do they tend to be like on edge? Like, are, are you concerned about them? Like ducking the string and everything? Are they jumpy or are they? They're definitely intense. Uh, eyes are wide. If you, you probably, if you haven't decoyed, you probably haven't seen a deer's eyes roll back to his head or actually to a point that they're going to pop out of their head. If that makes sense. Sure. Cause they, so tense and so brushed when the years go back. I mean, they are they are ready to roll. It's a whole different type of deer. So um, I, depending on your skill set and your ability with a bow, I would aim bottom third. Because okay. if, if he doesn't move, you're going to hit him in the heart. And if he does move, you're probably going to drop it right in the lungs. Now, yeah. if he's 20 or 25 in, do center mass and let it eat. But if you start breaking 30, you know, depending on your speed of your arrow, you know, it'd probably be wise for you to aim Bob bottom third because he yeah. may may jump because they are they are strung up. And let me tell you, when you do shoot one, they will run much farther than what they wouldn't if they weren't all intensed up. And because uh. the adrenaline that they have when they're in front of decoy, it's high. So we have, even though you may have smoked them, be be don't be alarmed that your track job may be longer because the adrenaline in them when before you kill them is way way more yeah yeah that i mean that makes sense like if you smoke them double lung them or whatever and he goes 150 yards you might be like what in the hell like he should have gone 50 right not, not surprising yeah okay got it good to know so that late october early November timeframe, or you said November 14th, like that's your, that is your, one of your favorite strategies to use. Number, um, one. number one. So, and that's to you, that's more important than like hunting over a scrape. It's not even close. Not even. Okay. So, so if you have, a, if you have a bunch of cameras out and you got scrapes and they're, they're hot, you got bucks hitting them, you're going into that general area um, and then you're just going to find, uh, an open, an open area in that, you know, 20 acre chunk or 10 acre chunk or whatever. And you want to like, kind of get that visual and get that box set up more often than not every decoy that we have, uh, I'm trying to go through all the setups. We probably have a really big scrape, probably within 20 to 30 yards of our setup on every single time that we use a decoy. And sometimes it will hit that scrape before or after. Um, but yes, um, okay. because when they see if, if they're coming from there and they see that decoy and the scrape is on their way to it, it actually pisses them off. And so you will see them hit that scrape very aggressively, like trying to show dominance. Yeah. Cause deer is in his backyard and he'll just go after that scrape and then he'll go, okay, I'm done with this scrape. Now I'm coming for you. And it, it's, it's i'm telling you get a lawn chair and a bag of chips and a six-pack of your favorite beverage and sit back and enjoy it because it is some of the best times i've ever had in the woods over decoys period yeah oh that's fantastic dude man all right i gotta yeah all right i'm about to hit add the card on this boss buck um so for um i guess uh was my my next question off that was so we're, we're, you know, you're, you're setting up decoys for all that. So then when are you, when are you not setting up a decoy? Like what's the, um, like right now, 
um you know we were hunting last week um chasing this cold front so we'll mm -hmm. hunt the you know early part of the year but we're not going to hunt unless it's really you know high pressure days and good temps yeah um we had some i had one of my best sits last sunday this past sunday we saw we went to a plot we had six mature deer in the area that we could expect to see we're chasing just one and five of the six showed up the one that i wanted to shoot um did not show but five of the six and i've never sat one evening and saw five of the six mature bucks show up in one night ever yeah it was it was amazing it was amazing set so that's really cool getting the right weather right pressure um right exit and entry um it was it was a magical afternoon that's awesome so what about what about um I guess in that late October, early November timeframe, like what, what forces you to sit in, in a, in a tighter, thicker area versus running a decoy? Uh, it all depends on the deer we're chasing. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm at the, you know, what we do is we, we chase really mature. When I say that it's five years old or older, uh, we try to go, um, you know, our goal is a minimum of five. We try to chase six, seven and eights is what we try to chase. Okay. Um, and so when we, nail down our, our hit list that hit list will dictate where we're going to go and some of it's in the timber and some of it's not it just all depends on where we think we have the biggest chance of killing that particular deer gotcha. so and that also depends on the time of the year you know as well um yeah you know i don't really like going into the timber unless it's you know towards the end of october in the first couple of weeks or first week of october because i know they're on their feet and they're moving and they're and they're less uh they, they throw caution to the wind more with their nose um you do it early season you know they're on they're much more alert with their nose um so uh we tend to do more uh food uh, food plots edges that type of thing more open um than in the timber stuff so timber gotcha. stuff we really don't if we're going to do it it's probably not going to be until that last week of october first week of november Gotcha. Okay. So then, um, with, with rolling into, um, that late, late, that, that earlier November timeframe, I've had a few people say to me that like the decoys work best in October and they, they're harder in November because DR are more sporadic. Like you're just, you're not going to get the same reaction out of them. And and you're telling me that that's that's different. You do you do you see that they work better in the last week of October, or do you see like it's kind of all the same through those few weeks? I would say it's relatively the same. I mean, I, I just like that last week of October because they're more in a seeking stage and they're not in the lockdown yet. Oh, and okay. they're the farm that we hunt in in Iowa. I've hunted it for I don't know, man. It's probably. 18, 17 years has been a long time, but if, if you really track, if you're, if you're lucky enough to hunt the same farm over and over and over, you should keep track of when you see the lockdown actually happen. And what I mean by that is are a group of does, or it could be a doe, I don't know, but it seems like on that farm, once you get past November 9th, you're pushing your luck on lockdown. And I've seen it over and over and over that that November 9th is when all of a sudden 
the does change and there's two or three of them that are getting locked down on. So I'm like, we've got to get that buck killed before then, because after that, it's going to get harder mm. and it's proven itself over and over. But I've watched this farm for you know, 15, 18, 19 years and I've been tracking it. So every farm's a little different. Everybody's herd's a little bit different, but it is interesting how consistent that date has been. Yeah. Um, so once you figure it out, put that in the back of your head and your mental note, because it's probably going to repeat itself. Yeah. So yeah. We, and I'll... We, we, we try to get our deer down before then, because we know post November 9th, it's going to get harder. Okay. Yeah. And I, I couldn't, I guess I got to look through a lot, a lot more information and, and analyze this a bit more, but uh, on our property in, in Southwest Wisconsin, we're, I don't like hunting the fourth to the ninth like it's it seems like it's a ghost town like i just don't well it's probably because you have a doe or two that probably come in that early yeah and that's probably why um every farm's different and that's just because every doe but once you figure those dates out don't fight it don't don't burn your kitchen passes work around it yeah yeah no that that makes sense you're not going to change it (laughs) right you know as much as you yeah. want to, you're not. So you say you got to get them before then or mm-hmm. give them a handful of days afterwards so they free up again. Then they're going to be back on their feet again and seeking again. So, yeah, you know, every farm's a little bit different. That's an, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I got a friend hunting with me this year and he's like, yo, I'm going to I'm going to fly in from he's flying in from Colorado. And he's like, hey, I'm going to fly in and I'll I'll take off, you know, November 2nd to the 10th. And I was like, no do October like 20th to the 30th, like somewhere in there. He's like, why? That's not even the rut. And I was like, dude, just, it's way better. Like our property just lights up in the last week of October, first week of November. It's really not that good. And he was like, are you sure? <laughs> like, yes, I'm sure. If I'm taking time off, I'm hunting the last week of October, not the first week of November. He's kind of baffled by that, but I mean, it's just, what you're saying it's over every year it seems like that's just what happens you know yeah one day never you can never debate history history will give you the tools to be more successful if you can recognize them and document them and keep looking back and you will find a trend and once you recognize that trend hunt around those trends and you're six you'll hunt more or hunt less and kill more yeah and who who doesn't want to do that right because that makes mama happy so right um, exactly and it's more fun too yeah 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 so and and to give everyone an idea where are you what states are you hunting in uh whitetails would be uh iowa missouri and wisconsin we used to hunt oklahoma and kansas and illinois and honestly it just we were spending more time in the car chasing either weather or trail picks that it, it we were just burning days that were just we we weren't that effective sure and so i was like you know we we need to narrow the scope understand the farms that we have get better at that hunt more days and that was a really good decision so yeah you can no, only hunt thought, yeah when it's good it's good you just you don't want to be burning good days driving in a car sure okay yeah. So, um, when are you in the, in, in like early November, are you doing any all day sits in October or are you only starting all day sits in November? 
Uh, we, we, we do them in October. It all depends on the weather. It depends on the activity, what we're seeing. You know, we usually in October, that 23rd, we'll sit till, you know, 10, 30 plus or minus. And my rule of thumb is I sit until there's at least 30 to 45 minutes when I don't see a deer. Okay. So it so come 10 o'clock, if I see a deer at 10, I'm like, okay, we're sitting at 10, 30, 10, 40. All of a sudden at 10, 35, I see another one. All right, here we go. We're going to 11, 15. If I see a deer at 11, all right, we're going to 11, 45. Um, so there's a lot of days that we don't plan on sitting, but we'll pack with food and water and that type of thing, just in case. Um, and let the deer movement dictate that. Because yeah. I mean, we've, we've killed some big stuff late morning and early afternoon you know sometimes we've killed killed a few at 10 45 11 15 and yeah. most guys will get out at 9 30 10 o'clock right. um and, and it, here's a prime example which is if you ever pay attention to uh, a good rain and i bring this up just let me finish this and i'll explain why i'm going to explain this which is if you pay attention to a good rain and you watch your cell cameras or trail cameras, you don't even have to have cell cameras, but if you have a lot of trail cameras or if you're in the woods and you you have a buddy, like you and your buddy are, you know, on the same farm and you're, you know, one end on the other and you have a rain that's about to stop and you're in the woods, text each other when you see your first deer. I'm willing to bet you it's within, they're probably going to get up roughly 15 minutes after it stops, and you'll probably see a deer within plus or minus five to 10 minutes of what your other buddy sees it. They all get up at the same time. So my point being, and this is just years of observation, my point being to this is when we're sitting at 10 o'clock and we see a deer at 10.15, I said, okay, we're going to add a half hour, it's 10.45. It's just not one deer that I'm seeing. There's more out there because they all seem to move at the same time. They all seem to bed at the same time. Mm. So if one or two are still out and about, I guarantee you there's others that you don't know that are doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. All that make that makes, you know, um, there's a guy I had on the podcast who's a big red. I, how are, how are you on the, on the moon phases? You big on it? You okay on it? You know what? I've talked to Lee Lakowski about a lot about this stuff, and he's 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 getting me more interested and in tracking it more. Okay. Um, it's it's interesting. I'm I'm trying to, to learn more. Um, so I'm not saying yes or no because I'm definitely in the learn phase. How about you? Okay. All right. Uh, I'm I'm currently in like if a hundred percent is I believe it and I pray to it every night. And 0% is, it's not a thing, like, just throw the moon guide away. I'm probably in, like, the 60% range. Like, I think it has a play in it. However, I also have, last year, the last two years, I've planned my hunting, my days off around it. So I pick those before I look at weather. Like, if I got to pick them in early October, yeah. I got to pick for late yeah. October. I'm like, these yeah. are the days. And? How'd it go? And it has not, it is not produced for me. It has. Okay. It has not. However, I will also say like those days were not like Northwest cold fronts. You know, they like, it never worked out where I was getting a good front and a good moon. Um, it was usually like a South wind in like 65 degrees in October or something like that. So I wasn't expecting a lot anyway. 
Um, I've always I, said, I've always said weather trumps moon. Yeah, I will say though, like cell cams have done wonders for like real time data and just like being able to analyze the information. Um, it's just something different than like having to go back and look in time. So I will say there's been multiple times where the red moon says bucks will move on field edge at 416 PM. And I'll get a picture of a box somewhere between 410 and 420 on a field edge, you know, and when it's, when it's, you know, October 5th and you're like, what are you doing up that early? Right. So I have seen that. Um, but I'll also say to your point of, of deer getting up and moving, um, there's a kid, uh, I say a kid, he's like 28, 29. His name's Jace Allen. Um, and he's part, I, he's affiliated with kind of like the Levi Morgan crew, um, like okay. bow life. Okay. And he, I had a podcast with him and last year he hunted Kentucky's early season for 27 days straight. Didn't leave, wow. um, hunted this piece of public. And in the mornings he would go and sit in a tree on the side of the parking lot and overlook these big soybean fields and just watch. And he said, when the moon would hit, when it's supposed to hit at like 10, 15, he goes, you'd see anywhere from two to six bucks that are bedded in that soybean field. They would all stand up within, within five to 10 minutes of each other. They'd all mill around for about a minute or two. And then they'd all lay back down. He was like, it was wild. Just watching them all get up, all move around, all lay back down. So he's like that. He said that made me a believer in this stuff. So that's why I always, you know, read all you want, educate yourself, but observation is the best teacher. Yeah, it is. And it, and I think so much of it is uh situational, which is what you kind of brought up earlier. Like it's, it's your lockdown is November 9th. That's historical observational data that this is how this works. You know, and that doesn't translate to northern Wisconsin or southern Minnesota or eastern. Well, it, it may not translate to two miles away from another farm. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. all different herds, right? So every time you move over, you have different different herds and they all they're all a little bit different. But, you know, you just got to figure out what those are and, and manage around them and attack your hunting strategy towards that because you're not going to change it. Right. Yeah. And so and you're saying that Lee is a Lee is a big moon guy then. He is. He is. Okay. Um, he's convinced of it. Um, yeah. and I have a lot of respect for him. So I'm I'm trying do. to uh <laughs> you know, learn more about it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I agree with you. I think if you have the red moon and you have a good weather front, I think that's a dead you know, that's a pretty deadly combination. How often that happens, I'm paying attention to it more now. Um, you know, but as of recently, these last several years, I was just chasing, you know, pressure and, and weather you know, right. um, and the time of year. So, um, but, those tend to be successful drivers as well. <laughs> they, they do, they do. Right. So, you know, that's, what's so great about yeah. hunting. There's a lot of different strategies and I'm not so sure there really is a silver, a silver, silver bullet. I don't think yeah. there is such a, you met like just before you'd mentioned rain. Um, do you think like after, after a good rain that will get deer on their feet for like the next hundred percent? Yeah. Okay. hundred percent. So when we have a, when we see weather and, you know, using your, whatever app you have on your phone, a radar map, I will look at it and go, okay, it's going to stop at, you know, four thirty. Well, we will be in the set by four fifteen or four ten, waiting and yeah. we'll get wet and all that stuff, but try to time it 
15 to 20 minutes before it stops and get settled because once it stops within 15 minutes plus or minus i'll set my clock to it deer are on their foot and they're going to move yeah and that is one thing we have been proven over and over and over and over how like if it's like um if it's uh what i want to say like a blip on the radar and it's like a 30 minute thing does that does that uh, matter I don't versus if, I would, if it's I don't know if I would use that? I'm talking about okay, like yeah. it's been raining several hours. Okay. And it's you know started raining at 11 a.m. and it's going to stop at 4:15. I'm going to be at the set at four o'clock. Okay. Yeah. So you it's know? a substantial a few hours. Yeah. I, and I was just trying to get a gauge as like does it yeah no it's a good, it's a good question it... but if you said it's going to be a 15 minute rain, I wouldn't put any any value into that. But if it's going to be several hours yeah and, and the great ones are when they end at you know 4 four thirty late afternoon man that is that is magic yeah that- yeah i'm looking at uh i'm looking at uh the you know we're recording this on on october 12th and i'm looking at this week you know we live you and i live pretty close to each yeah. other it looks like rain's coming for the next few days and it's supposed yep. to stop saturday afternoon it's like that'd be a good that'd be a good be time, a good to, time be in to be there. in there you can if your life allows it right yeah yeah so um okay well what um besides um besides decoying like looking into into november more of the the rut status or are there any other like pre-rut like um besides so so we talked about decoying we talked about scrapes are there any like pre-rut like do you we run and gun with that decoy. Have you ever like moved it around with you? Like, like you and Casey or you and your cameraman are, our cameraman's got the decoy and you're like hiding behind it. Like, are you trying, you know how they do those Western hunts with pronghorn no. and stuff? No, the risk reward. I, I just haven't seen it. I, I don't have the, I don't have the risk tolerance to go do that. Yeah. Cause you know, it, it's, these deer just you know the deer we're chasing are such of age that i i don't know i'm not saying you couldn't pull it off um but i I just don't know how you would yeah i I don't know either that's why i was asking because i wasn't i wasn't expecting this conversation to be about about decoying and i'm trying to learn as much as i can about it now i'm like you doing that (laughs) no i've never tried it um i have no desire to try it um we our our food plots are so designed down to the yard that you know we have just about not not every but i would say well over 80 percent we have green and grain within bow range okay and and so we're we're chasing different parts of the farm based on the deer that we're chasing and the frequency that that one we're chasing is is frequencing that part of the farm and when you see a transition of brassica to clover i'm going to tell you it's probably you know 30 32 yard transition line because that's by design um we make lines and food plots so i so we know we don't have to arrange them so that everything you see that we do is a methodical thought and having corn Instead of beans, you know, beans is great because you can see over them, but, you know, corn creates more of an edge too. Um, the plot we were hunting this past week, we had a green field in front of us and then corn on the backside. And if they didn't walk right down the middle, 
they were walking that corn edge. I mean, right on the corn edge. And that corn edge was oh, 38 to 42 to 45, depending on what angle they were coming from. Mm. And so you, you create your own opportunity um, by doing food plot setups and, and design. And we spend a mass majority of our time thinking through those strategies and executing so that come in the fall, um, you know, you don't, you don't kill them in the fall. You kill them in the spring and in the summer by all the work you put in. Yeah. And so we really try to get deer moving through our farms in a very, uh, I'm going to call it uh, deer attitude that allows them to be deer and play off of that. And Oh, by the way, they're going to slide right in front of our blind and, you know, eat a rough broadhead on Tuesday morning. So we just, spend a lot of time doing that instead of trying to rattle them in or call them in i like to shoot deer doing their natural thing got it they're easier to kill um they're going to be less uh uh alert um i don't like i don't like when deer know i'm there because the minute they do they now have the upper hand and that's not a good place to be yeah no that's not a good i mean I mean, how many times do you hear guys say they shot over? Yeah. A lot, right? All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's horseshoes and hand grenades. How many times are they just out of reach or just close enough or he just picked me? It's always that. So right. design your plot around that so you don't have those problems. Mm-hmm. And your success rate will go through the roof. Yeah. And yeah, that's I have to like, I mean, you guys have been doing it for a long time and I'm sure there's trial and error and you guys got a whole lot of knowledge oh, yeah. baked into for sure. a lot of that. Um, well, that's what we're trying to do with our series called Unlocked, right? Which okay. is our YouTube series, which is 15 to 20 minutes of myself, Casey Morgan, Matt Dye and Adam Keith. And those guys are land consultant guys and they're the best of the best in the industry. And between our, our knowledge, the four of us, we're bringing different uh, thoughts, ideas, and information to that segment. And we're trying to share everything that we've done for the past, well, between the four of us, we've had over 75 years of experience between the four of us. And we're trying to articulate that the best that we can to show you know, our viewership that, hey, don't make the mistakes that we did 20 years ago. We're going to show you how to save time and effort and energy and be way more effective Mm-hmm. and your earlier career and you know listen to us and and uh we'll, we'll we'll take you down the golden the golden path and we're we're exposing all of our secrets there's nothing we're we're hiding or holding back so tune in watch it and i i hopefully that you learn something yeah no that's awesome that's a great great point so with um with that man what about um what about November? Like, what about the rut? Like when the rut kicks off, are you still, are are you trying to do like a pinch point mixed with a decoy or are you just doing, you know, a decoy on the, on a food plot or a field edge? Are you trying to combine them? What's your strategy there? It it, it comes back to, you know, usually I have one or two deer I'm, I'm trying to focus on and Casey is the same. And so those deer are going to dictate what we're going to do where they're living, what intel we have, and so forth. So it all depends on those two deer. Um, we're, we're changing all the time based on the intel that we're getting. So I'm not trying to dodge your question, yeah. but it, it, 
be wide open field because he's frequent that, you know, two or three out, you know, the last three nights out of the last five, he's on this plot. Well, we got the right win. We're going to go there. Or, you know what? He's, he's going through this pinch point a lot. Well, we should go sit that. So it, it just all depends on most recent info information that time of year is what you got to go off. Gotcha. You know, you throw everything else out the door because once they're going in and out and you have Intel, if you have Intel and you, and you run in cell cameras and you get some Intel, I'll tell you right now, take advantage of it. If, if your personal life allows it, jump on that and use it to your best advantage. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so I had a, I had one other, one other question on, on that. Um, oh, I was going to say you, like, I think like we had talked to us before the podcast, I think it's been two years since we chatted last. And one of the, one of the things that, that you said that lasted with me um, and still has for a long time is if you chase a single deer, you will learn more about deer hunting in that season than you've learned in multiple years versus just sitting in a spot. Fact. Right. Yeah. And so like, and then, and you, you've said that multiple times on the podcast now, and I'm just kind of putting the puzzle pieces, pieces together here, which is, you know, you're after specific deer and those specific deer, their tendencies, their behavior is what drives your behavior, right? What they're doing is what allows you to do what you do. Um, And I think that's, I think that's key in terms of when I'm asking you these questions, like that's dictating, like every year it could be different. If he's doing this, you're doing that. If next yeah. year it's a different buck and they're doing something different, then you're doing something different. Like you might not be in a pinch. You might be in a wide open field sitting on a ground in a ground blind. And last year you were in a box blind on the other side of the farm. I think it might be in a deep timber, 20 feet in a tree. Right. Yeah. You might be, uh, where is like, I mean, that last one, when we did the podcast last time, it was right where you found his sheds and you were well, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. right? That was a mega giant. Like you hadn't been yeah. able to find that deer at all. And then you found his sheds and you're like, I think he's just living in this little pockets of woods. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. So, um, no, this has been fantastic. We're, we're, we're just over an hour here. Um, and it's been, this has been really helpful. I, I love this topic of decoying. I want to, I got to figure out like if this is a viable situation for me and if I need to buy this and what I need to do to do it um I'll, I'll tell you this if you buy it and you don't like it call me and i'll buy it from you. <laughs> yeah that's fair that's fair you're gonna yeah you'll you like yeah i'll take it <laughs> because right. i i always need another one so you know if okay. you're really if you're that second guest and you're worried about it long as she's not all beat up and broken and i can use it scratches don't bother me as long as she's functional that's all i care about gotcha all right. No, it's it fantastic. Good? I'm, I'm back confident on it. All right. Beautiful. All right. So if if you want to, Greg, if anybody listens to this podcast and they want to reach out to you, ask you about decoying or anything or food plots or anything else, um, cool. what is, what's the best way to find you? Um, you can go on. Uh, we have a Facebook page as well. Um, uh, I pay, uh, my responsibilities is the Instagram page, which is um, HuntWorks TV, which is H-U-N-T-W-O-R-X tv shoot me a dm there uh give us a follow and you can also go on youtube and watch our our series of uh hunt works uh 
Hunt Collective is one series, and the other one is Huntworks Unlock, which is where we dissect and go behind um, the secrets of what we've done to be su <clears throat> successful on our hunts, um, from theories to food plot designs to habitat improvements, everything you can possibly think of. We're going to discuss it on that. And then we're also on the Sportsman's Channel um, as well. So um, hopefully you can find something there that uh, uh, you like and and if, and if you have some ideas that you want to see, um, let us know, shoot us, shoot us a DM and we'll make sure we'll uh, consider that and maybe add that into our unlock series to address some of the, the demands that the general public has that they can learn. So this is our whole thing is, you know, helping the fellow guy. It's not about us. It's more about the deer. Um, and how do we make everybody else around us? better at what they do so they can enjoy the hunting experience at another level and that's our slogan is plan prep pursue and we're going to try to teach that the best we can to whoever wants to listen beautiful fantastic all right with that everybody if you enjoyed the podcast like subscribe head over to youtube find Huntworks, subscribe to that just check them out on the sportsman's channel hit them on facebook and instagram uh and if and if you enjoyed the podcast and everything um if you would uh, leave a review. If you, if you find it in your, in your worthiness to, to take a couple minutes, leave a review, say that you enjoyed it, mark it five stars. And then also the biggest thing is, is tell a friend. Um, the podcast generally grows through word of mouth. So if you, if you enjoy this, like, Hey, you got to listen to Greg this on this deer vein podcast. Like you got to listen to this decoy thing where I, we're going to go get a flambo decoy. Now we're going to go do this thing, you know, tell, tell a buddy. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Catch you next time.